This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saints, and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windorf from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig. Hey, all, here's Andrea Peter from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up! Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attack. Stay metal. This is Brant Bjork. And you're listening to Mars Attacks. So keep listening. Hey, what's up? This is Kyle from The Sword, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Rusty Cooley, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. So crank it up and rip the knob off. Welcome, one and all, to episode 149 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this time around, we have an interview, an interview that's almost an hour long uh, with Rusty Cooley, the great, great solo artist and lead guitarist of the band Day of Reckoning. Uh, we talked to him about a bunch of different things from Day of Reckoning to teaching students, uh, his soloing, his gear. Uh, we run a whole gamut of different things that we talk about. So uh, right off the bat, man, this interview took me forever to edit, and there were all types of sound quality issues. Uh, I could tell right away from listening to my voice that I'm, <laughs> that I'm sick, uh, just by the way that, that my voice sounds, and I did my best to try to clean everything up, so I apologize to anyone in advance uh, for certain dropouts and different things, but... Uh, uh, I've reached out to someone that I think is uh, a real gearhead and a professional, which is uh, Mr. Wendell Neely of the Classic Metal Show, and uh, he's given me some suggestions. Hopefully, we can clean that up so that it doesn't happen again in the future. Uh, speaking of the Classic Metal Show, I hope that you guys enjoyed episode 148, which was basically me releasing uh, what I did with the Classic Metal Show and a bunch of other podcasts for their Podcasters Summit. Uh, if you haven't checked out with my other podcast, the Victor M. Ruiz podcast, uh, you can find that by going to the right-hand side of MarsAttacksRadio.com or you could go directly to Victor M. Ruiz, that is R-U-I-Z.com and uh, check out the last few episodes. Last week, I released an episode which was sort of piggybacking on the podcasting nightmares theme that uh, Chris Aiken brought up during that episode. And what I've released this week and what's already been recorded and will be released for next week's episode are additional additional things that have come up with uh, just artists or, or labels or PR people or just flat out hardware failures. So... Hope you guys enjoy those 
those stories. And by all means, if you're a podcaster and you're listening to this and uh, you want to share some of your podcasting nightmares, drop me a line. Input at MarsAttacksRadio.com. Be more than happy to share your story on here or uh, my other podcast there. Uh, other things going on with, um, as I'm recording this, uh, I will be releasing a new episode of Fusion Sonica tomorrow, which is uh, February 5th. Uh, this I'm recording on the 4th. I guess you could tell based on what I led up to mentioning this, but I hope to release this episode today, the Fusion Sonica tomorrow, which will focus on the Tony Martin years of Black Sabbath. And I basically recorded earlier this week the two episodes of Fusion Sonica for this month and the two episodes of No Metal Cred, which is my non-hard rock and metal podcast, which varies from, it's usually rock and and pop music, basically. So there's going to be, for both No Metal Cred and and for Fusion Sonica, there are going to be female related shows that are going to be called Female Domination, both of them, and they're female-fronted acts, either solo or bands, and both in the hard rock and metal genres for the one podcast and uh, pop and, and rock genres and alternative music for the other. So hope you guys check those shows out and feel free to follow them. Uh, on Facebook. For Fusion Sonic, I haven't set anything up for No Metal Cred. I have. And they're all, all of my shows are up on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And you can go to the various uh, sites to find out the social media stuff. Like I said, you can go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. And there are links on the right hand side to everything. And uh, I'm about ready to launch a Patreon campaign for both Mars Attacks and for Ear Peeler. Try to um, you know bring some revenue in to do some exciting things that I've planned. Uh, so we have, uh, not only will we be launching Patreon, I should say, we also have merch stores for both uh, Mars Attacks and for... Um, for ear peeler, actually, there's there's merch for everything except for Fusion Sonic. At this point, there will be because I'm going to tie that into Patreon as well. Um, what what I have going on, I have special designs set up for ear peeler, and I'll be doing the same for Mars Attacks uh, for these Patreon campaigns. And basically, these are going to be well. The whole idea is to have like a, a, a one year subscription going. Let's say so. If you're a backer uh, where the rewards will be a t-shirt or a hoodie or both or something similar to that, if you continue to back either Ear Peeler or Mars Attacks, once 2018 rolls around, you'll get a new piece of merchandise uh, that will be specific to that year. And it will also mention that you're a producer and the year in which you've backed the show or the site in the case of Ear Peeler. Uh, with Ear Peeler, with, um, with Ear Peeler anyway, the idea is to do a video cast. There are different things in the works. I've been buying uh, different pieces of hardware to go along with it. And we'll see where everything goes. You know, hopefully uh, within, 
you know, the balance of this year. We're, I mean, we're at the beginning of this year, and hopefully during this year we'll be able to see if, you know, the Patreon will be able to stick and whether I'll be able to do all these shows and, and do Ear Peeler and all that and, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, any anything that you guys will want to subscribe to once I have that set up will be greatly appreciated. Uh, there will be everything from, you know, uh, $1 going up to considerably more. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where everything fits in and what makes sense and, and whatnot. I'm peppering them with a million questions a week. So hope to get that launched and um, just uh, keep a lookout for, for all that good stuff. And I'll keep mentioning it here as well. Uh, also, uh, working diligently, I was supposed to get the classic albums uh, series up and running this past month. We're in February now and Things just haven't shaken out, uh, just due to not, I wouldn't say not getting cooperation, but being maybe the wrong time of the year, the end of the year where a lot of people are off, so I wasn't able to get a hold of a lot of people. I'm starting to get more interviews and different things um, regarding various albums. I've been sneaking questions in here and there with different artists, so... It should be good. It should be cool. I should say, um, there are some of these episodes that we're going to have a ton of comments, and there are others that we're not going to have as many. But uh, it is what it is. I, I will keep doing my best to work till the eleventh hour to get something going, and I'm hoping that this month we can finally get the first episode off the ground here. So. If not, I mean next month, but I'm shooting for this month. Regardless, it's 12 episodes, so from when I kick it off, it'll it'll go for for a full year. So there you go. Um, What else? Have a bunch of interesting episodes coming up. Four Mars Attacks, everyone from Stephen Piercy to Jack Russell, lead singer of Jack Russell's Great White to Gus G, and there are other things that are in the works. So, there you go. In any event, I want to thank everyone for listening and checking this episode out. And just remember, anything that you need, whether it's social media links, uh, whether it's links to subscribe to the the podcast or whatnot, just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com and... Just check out all the the great things we have going on. Uh, Like I said, we have the merch store there. We also have links to PayPal and different things. If you're so inclined to help out, uh, please do so. Again, we appreciate every every cent you send our way. In any event, we're going to get into some music by Rusty's band, Day of Reckoning. And then right after that, we will jump on into the episode. Uh, The track that we're going to get into is called Nothing to Gain. I do this cause I can!
we were talking about you teaching a student via Skype and we exchanged some emails and you mentioned how you were teaching before we would jump into the interview. Uh, obviously, teaching is a very important part of you as a guitar player. Uh, when did you decide that you wanted to help teach others learn how to play guitar? Um, <clears throat> it was pretty immediate. Um, I was a, a big Randy Rhodes fan and still am. And, um, unfortunately he, he was, you know, in the accident before I started playing guitar. So I never had the opportunity to see him live, which is a, a huge bummer. Um, but I was so into Randy Rhodes that anything Randy did, that's, you know, so, you know, I, I pretty much follow those shoes. That's what got me into listening to classical music. That's what got me into teaching, you know, and, and, and many other things. Um, so, you know, I wanted to do it because Randy did it because he was my guitar hero. And then I, I've just I've done it. Uh, I've been teaching since I was a senior in high school and, and I just absolutely love it. You know, um, I don't, I don't teach because I have to, I teach because I, I want to and enjoy it. You know, there's a difference in a job and something you have to do to pay the bills and something you can actually pay your bills with that you love doing, you know? Um, so that's what got me into it. And I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm, and no matter what ever happens with my career, I'll always teach, um, you know, if something happens, I have to go on tour more and do more touring, less teaching. I'll still find time to teach, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, here or via Skype or, or whatever. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really a blessing because it keeps me on my toes and sharp. And uh, I learn more about myself as a guitarist every day that I have to teach somebody and explain something in a different way or, or try to, you know, it's, it's kind of a challenge in a way, you know, to help people understand things because everybody learns differently. And, uh, I don't know, it's very rewarding, man. Just, you know, when you see the look in somebody's eye when they're finally getting it and, and making progress and, and whatnot, it's, it's very gratifying. So it's, uh, it's, it's awesome, man. How difficult the gratification that you get from teaching someone to actually being up on stage and seeing the audience connect with what you're doing? Well, <clears throat> when somebody really appreciates what you do, whether it's from a, a lesson standpoint or from a, a performance standpoint, it's really kind of the same, you know, because it's, it's like, it, it makes, it makes all the other times in your life where things are tough and you're struggling and all that. It's those moments. It's in those moments that it makes it all worth it. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, it's, it's, you know, it's very similar. I don't know that I could really differentiate because, you know, somebody appreciating what you do and, and what it means to them and how it affects them. Um, it's, it's good. It's a good thing, man. You know, I can, I can learn from going and watching somebody play, um, just as easy as I can learn from sitting and having them teach me something, uh, sometimes, you know what I mean? In certain respects, but, uh, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you said that teaching helps keep you on your toes. Is that from uh, students bringing different types of material to your attention or maybe seeing a student evolve and you want to sort of keep up with what you're, what they're doing? Well, well, I think it's, it's from a perspective like this. If, if you're a guitar player and you don't teach, a lot of times you take certain things for granted and you just kind of let it slide 
like maybe you don't keep up with your basic knowledge of fundamentals or theory or you don't keep up with, you know, whatever it is that you might not keep up with. Well, as a teacher, you can't let your guard down for one moment because you don't ever want to be in that moment where a student asks you a question. You go, um, uh, uh, I don't know. Hang on a second. Uh, you know, you know, you, you want to have the answer as much as you can. Um, and the majority of my students that I've found through the years um, are, you know, beginning, intermediate, advanced to a certain respect. Um, it, it kind of fluctuates. Um, so I'm not, I don't really have to be, you know, teaching a beginner and an intermediate student, you have to be more on your toes with your fundamental stuff. And you have to, and you have to think and, and realize, especially with a beginner, that you got to remember the beginner doesn't know nothing, no matter how much you might take it for granted, what you know. So you got to remember that they're coming from a complete state of not knowing. Um, so something that you, you or I have done for years that we take for granted, they don't, they don't even have the first clue about. So you've got to always be able to break it down to uh, the smallest level. But I, I think that might be getting away from your original question. But um, it, it just keeps you sharp because you, you want to know the answer and you want to be able to teach. And if you're going to be a good teacher, you gotta, you know, you got to be there. you got to know um, how to teach these guys and guide them and, um, you know, try to not only be a good teacher but be a good mentor and motivator and, you know, keep them motivated and, and, and find ways to – just keep them inspired to keep playing, you know, because I remember when the whole guitar th hero thing was big and um, I got a ton of students that came in and thought they were going to play guitar because they were good at guitar hero. Right. It's like, you know, and I don't really get it because I figure if you spend that much hours on a video game and you get good at it, you could spend that many hours on guitar and get good at it. But, right. you know, I don't know. I guess there's no cheat codes for guitar. You know, <laughs> but, uh, nothing replaces good old fashioned hard work, man. So they didn't see the videos of Dave Mustaine uh, stumbling all over the uh, plastic guitar to uh, to play his. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed yeah. to. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, what's funny? the funniest thing is, man, I can't, I can't play Guitar Hero to save my life. You know, I, I can't do it, man. I was just I've never been into video games, never really, you know. Not since you used to go to the Seven Eleven and put a quarter in Donkey Kong or Pac-Man. It's probably the last time I played video games. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm good friends with Ali Herbert, the guitar player from All That Remains. And Ali was this big-time guitar hero guy that played the video game. And the kids used to line up outside the All That Remains bus just to get on, on there and try to go at Ali. And Ali would kill them all, <laughs> not only as a guitar hero, but a... Guitar Hero, you know, real Guitar Hero and a Guitar Hero video game guy. So he worked in both respects. It was pretty funny. I got on there and it just sounds like plink, 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 plink. <laughs> you know. Yep. Pretty awful. I'll just stick with real guitar. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not too shabby at the uh, at the real one. So I guess that, that that's a consolation if, if you run up against any, you know. Yeah. Uh, teenage. Like, hey, I'll, I'll just be a real guitar hero. How about that? Right. <laughs> um, while researching to do the the interview, I came across something on the internet, and you know how the internet is always a hundred percent true. Of course. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I came across was that uh, you were self taught; that you 
picked up on the guitar basically yourself, uh, started watching Doug Mark's videos amongst other things and mm -hmm. sort of taught yourself how, how to play. How true is that? It's very true. It's totally true. Okay. I mean, I, I did take, uh, I tried guitar lessons. I tried a month of guitar lessons when I first got my guitar. And after the first month, um, the guy told my mom that he couldn't work with me anymore because I didn't practice anything that he gave me, which I, in respect, I, I look back and I feel kind of bad for the guy because every week I'd come in and I'd go, hey, man, check out this new Van Halen riff one of my friends showed me. But at the same time, he was trying to teach me how to Mel Bay book one and, and open chords. And I was 15, dude, I wanted to rock. And he was teaching me stuff like that wasn't, you know, I mean, in, in respect to him, it's what he thought I should learn first, but I went the other way. So after a month with this guy, he said, well, why don't you try my friend? And I started to take a month of guitar lessons with this guy. And after two into it, it was the same thing. And I just I was like, forget it. And one of my best friends at the time was carrying around a metal method ad in his wallet. And I was like, dude, if you're not going to use that thing, give it to me. And I ordered my first two metal method lessons. And I was hooked because it was like Doug Marks was like, he was teaching and playing with the sound uh, of metal. You know, I mean, it was he was teaching you to play like the things that you were listening to. He got right to the point, you know, and at the same time, you know, he's he's a brilliant motivational guy, too. So he knows how to, you know, motivate you and inspire you to work hard. And not only that, he taught me how to set goals and how to build practice schedules that would allow me to attain my goals. And uh, I just ate it up, man. I used to listen to that stuff. I had a cassette player that would that would loop and I'd put my headphones on and loop his cassette tapes over all night while I was sleeping. And I would take those books to school and I'd stick them inside my books and sit in the back of the room and study metal method <laughs> instead of what I was supposed to be doing in class. And it, and it just grew from there. Um, I started just buying, uh, you know, continuing, you know, to buy books and uh, cassettes and then it turned into DVD or VHS and then DVDs and um, and I did take a couple of guitar lessons here and there from some, some random players that, that I tried to, um, you know, get, get something out of. But, uh, like when I was in college, I took a couple of semesters of guitar lessons from a classical guitar teacher, but our lessons weren't anything about playing. It was really me just going in and drilling him about theory and questions I had about sight reading or stuff like that. So we didn't really even play. It was just me like talking about stuff and asking him questions of, about things that I needed guidance with and didn't understand. Um, and, and that's really pretty much it. Um, it's all, it's all, you know, good old fashioned hard work. Um, I was motivated and driven and the Doug Mark stuff sent me on my way. And, um, I was lucky. I really feel fortunate to have grown up in the era that I did because that's when, I mean, that, that, that was a great time to grow up as a guitar player because man, everybody played great back then really i mean even the guys that i didn't think were very good back then looking back and listening to them now I'm like wow that dude was really pretty pretty awesome you know um but as comparison to some of the other guys from the time weren't or was not but um compared to what's going on over the last 10 15 years yeah um and i was also lucky that you know some of the guitar shops that i'd go hang out with there were some older guitar players that turned me on to a lot of stuff uh, that would turn me on to jazz guitar players and fusion guitar players and classical stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it was just the, the right time. And, and I'm very open to all styles of music. I mean, good good music is good music, you know, regardless of what, what style it is. I mean, uh, and I think that's one of the things that helped me 
grow as a guitar player is that I would listen to country guys or I'd listen to jazz or fusion or funk or blues or whatever. And I was open to it. And, uh, I mean, there was a point when I was in high school where the, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a classical conductor or a jazz guitarist, you know, and I finally had to sit down and, and just go, okay, what do you really want to do? And, uh, you know, being playing in a rock band is what I really wanted to do. So I just took all those outside influences and channeled them into what I, what I do, you know, you know, I'm not going to be a jazz guitar player, but I want to know what a jazz guitar player does so I can utilize those t types of techniques and, and theory so that I can bring something new to the table. Because as a teacher, I tell my students, look, I mean, if all you do is listen to metal guitar players, guess what you're going to do? Nothing but regurgitate metal guitar players. You have to listen to, you have to, listen to other things to bring something new to the table. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of the same. And, um, you know, that's not, you know, I'm not about that. I've always wanted to be, you know, a contributor um, to the music industry, and not music industry, but the music musicians, really, you know. So when it's all said and done, there's I've left something behind that people can learn from, and uh, you know, grow and, and and become better musicians from. You know, that's the ultimate quest, more than anything. You know. Okay. So, yep, that's a long question or a long answer, I suppose. But um, it's a lot, there's a lot to it sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, absolutely. Um, you you mentioned that you were a big fan of Randy Rhodes. Uh, did you ever get the sort of motivation to want to go out and study with his mother at all? Um, you know, honestly, I didn't know that that was was an option the time. Um, so I, you know, I didn't really, th I didn't even really think about that. Um, you know, but thanks for telling me now. <laughs> <laughs> I might probably would have done it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Randy was awesome. He was a huge influence, man. It's tragic. You can only imagine what he would have gone on to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whenever oh, I turn on his live recordings, it always gives me goosebumps. It makes me feel like a like a seventh grader again, you know. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like on some of the stuff on Diary. Some of the tracks, they'll uh, they'll do a fade while he's soloing out. It's like I want to know, I want to hear the rest of that that they faded right. on. Where's the rest of that? You know, you can only imagine what it went on to. You know. Yeah, there's. Um, I don't know if you saw the the show that Jack and Ozzy Osbourne did for the history channel and they go to a place called iron mountain mm -hmm. and they put on the original, uh, I guess, pressing of, uh, of blizzard of Oz, which was used to later press all of the other vinyl albums at the time. Mm -hmm. And they, or no, it wasn't the, it wasn't that it was the original master tapes they brought out and they start listening to, um, a crazy train mm -hmm. and so they're mixing it all together and obviously it wasn't set up uh like it would have been in the studio so you hear like randy doing i don't know he plays like two notes right before the the song kicks in and me as you know the big music nerd that i am just hearing that made my hair stand like holy shit exactly what you said you know yeah imagine if we were able to hear him just Warming up before a track, or oh, yeah. you know, the stuff that wasn't used, or the the stuff that's faded out. You know? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of gold there, man. I would love to hear that stuff, but I know exactly what you mean. Yep, that's that's cool. So it's always nice to get some, you know, especially with Randy. 
there's not a lot of video footage out there of them at all. Right. But I had like all those, like the King Biscuit Flower Hour and and Bat's Head, Bat Head Soup and all those bootlegs of them, you know. But it's nothing like actually getting to see them play. Right, absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> we, we talked a bit about the instructional videos that helped you sort of progress as a player early on. And obviously you've done a bunch of instructional videos over the years. Um, what has been more important to you as a player, being able to do those videos or being able to get an endorsement and get a, a known company behind you to build something around your specifications? Well, I think they're, I think they're all equally important, you know, for me, because I mean, um, you know, I've, <clears throat> you know, my, I really, just my guitar heroes, you know, the things that they've done have huge impacts on my life. And, you know, and it's, you know, I like to do that stuff. I like, I like to do the instructional stuff because I like to teach and I like to, um, you know, that's, that's helped my career out a lot, the instructional stuff. But then, you know, from the performance side of it, you know, you want the endorsements. I mean, there's nothing better than having a company believe in you enough, like Dean Guitars, to let you design a guitar from scratch and them invest time into it, you know, just, you know. I mean, Elliot Rubinson from Dean Guitars, I mean, you know, he, he's let me. That guitar is my, the RC7 8s and the 6s and all that, those are... Those are my designs down to the last T. It's not like they had this model sitting around and they went, well, we can make this your signature model. We'll just put your name on the headstock. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that at all. Those, those are my designs I've been working on for years with some of my other guitars. Um, but Dean Guitars was the first company to believe in me enough to let me do exactly what I wanted. And, uh, you know, like the cutaway and all that stuff. I'd been, I, I had that on a custom six-string back in the late 80s. That's how long I've been working on, you know, I, I call it getting the guitar out of my way, so to speak. And what I mean by that is I learned how to play. My first real good guitar was a guitar that me and my dad put together out of Warmoth parts. And it was in the style of a Randy Rhodes uh, Jackson. And uh, when I, I, I wanted to start playing Strat style guitars, you know, super Strats. And anytime I'd get on a, a guitar, uh, my hand would hit that upper horn. Right. Uh, you know, that's where the whole the cutaway started coming from. And that's what I mean by kind of getting the guitar out of my way, um, you know, because I try to do a big stretch, my hand would hit, and I feel like limited. And um, you know, a lot of the guitar companies are, are kind of already already believe that they built the best guitar, and uh, and I really kind of beg to differ. But it's 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 not in an arrogant way; it's in a way that I believe the guitar players continue to evolve, so the instrument needs to evolve with the guitar. When you play an RC7 or 6 or 8 or whatever, there's never going to be anything on that guitar that you're going to go, oh, well, that, you know, I can't do that because of this. That cutaway's getting in the way or the neck's too fat or the, something, you know. There's no excuses. When you play that guitar, it's all you. You know, if something's, something's not right, you need to practice more. You know, <laughs> you can't blame it on the instrument anymore. You know, um, there's a lot of guys out there that play them and, and I don't, I can't mention any names, but there's a guitar player that endorses another company that used my guitar for both of uh, two, two of the records that he put out uh, behind the scenes because of how well the guitar plays and how thin the neck is and etc. You know, so I think I think they're pretty equal. You know, you you want to do it all. I mean, I, 
you know, I want to tour, I want to record, I want to write music, I want to teach, um, I want to have companies that believe in me to, you know, uh, endorse their equipment. And that's, you know, an endorsement is very special to me because I'm not like a lot of guys out there that would just take gear for the sake of taking gear. It's like, well, I have to play this stuff. You know, right. so I'm not going to take an endorsement if I'm not already playing it, or if it's something that that I truly, truly love. So if I'm playing it, you know, it's because I really dig it. And most of the endorsements that I have, I've had for years. I haven't changed. You know, um, I've gone through a couple of guitar endorsements, but I've been with Dean since about 2006, I believe, and uh, I've been with EMG Pickups forever, and um, you know, just to name a couple. You know, most of the stuff I use, I stick with it. I've been with Morley forever. I love their Waz, and um, got some newer companies that I work with. Um, but it's stuff that I genuinely dig, and and um, yeah. So, message the message to all the young and up and coming guys: don't don't take gear for the sake of taking gear. It's and and getting an endorsement doesn't make your career. I have a friend. It's like, well, if I get an endorsement, then you know, to help my career take off. And it's like, well, not really. They're not going to be the ones promoting it. It's you out there that they're hoping you're going to help them sell their gear. You know, it doesn't right. work that way, you know. And uh, when I was a kid, my belief was, you know, I need free gear now when I have no money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But uh, it doesn't work that way. So when I have money, I'll just buy it. An old guitar teacher that I had when I took lessons a few years back, one of his first things that he said to me was, well... Just because you're playing so-and-so's model uh, doesn't mean you're ever going to sound like him or be as good as him. So you have to practice to get there. Right. Um, so it's similar similar to what you're saying, I think, that yeah. you know, a lot of people think, well, I, I got the endorsement, so I've, I've got it made. Well, unless right. you do something to gain that endorsement or to push yeah. yourself forward. You know, a, a company has to believe in you and, and know that you're doing something. You know, what are you doing, you know? Why should we give you an endorsement? You know, you know, you know. Some people, some companies want your tour schedule, and if you're not touring so many dates out of the year, they're not interested. You know, because they want you on stage in front of people with their gear. That's that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot of people out there. A lot of me. <laughs> I'm hesitant to use the word musician, but there's a lot of musicians out there that that aren't quality players that at all by any means that have huge endorsements because of their um, popularity, you know, right. You know, so, you know, somebody's just banging out some chords in a punk band or something, you know, but Hey, they're selling records and making money and they're in front of hundreds of people at night or whatever. That's, that's good for business for, um, whatever piece of gear they're endorsing. Sure. And that's what companies want. You gotta be doing some, you gotta stay current, you know, mu- music industry is like a freight train, man. And you either get on and ride it or you get out of the way because it ain't going to wait for you. <laughs> right, absolutely. But uh, one more thing. It's funny that your old guitar teacher told you about that. You know, it's just because you're playing so-and-so's uh, signature guitar doesn't mean you're going to play like that. I heard a story about uh, Van Halen opening up for Ted Nugent one time and Ted Nugent going, Eddie, let me see your guitar. And then he jumped on Eddie's amp and guitar and well, he still sounded like Ted, you know. <laughs> You know, so that just, you know, reinforces that, you know, really when you have your own unique style and sound, it doesn't matter what the gear is, you're still going to sound like you. Nothing short of practice. There's another story. It's it's slightly different. Um, Fast Eddie Clark, when he was in Motorhead, uh, Mm -hmm. I guess one of 
the th- one of the things that he wanted to do when he left Motorhead and formed Fastway was sort of get his own sound down because when he played Motorhead, he felt like he always sounded like sort of muddy and sort of dirtier than he wanted to sound. Mm-hmm. So Motorhead used to do these anniversary shows, and one of the first times he went back to do one of these anniversary shows, his train of thought was, I'm going to show Lemmy all the stuff that I've learned since I left the band and this and that, and he'll see how much better I sound now. Mm-hmm. And he says he plugged into his old setup mm-hmm. because Lemmy dictated basically what whatever the guitarists in the band, uh, what amps they use and, and this and that. And mm-hmm. he said he plugged back in and he sounded exactly the same as he did when he was still <laughs> in the band, so it didn't matter right. what he was going to show uh, You know, Lemmy. He was still going to sound exactly like... Fast Eddie right. Clark and Motorhead. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you well, brought up before uh, various models that you've worked on over the years, the six strings, seven strings, and eight strings. And it, it's always been comical to me to read, you know, people's comments online, uh, traditional hard rock or metal players, how right away they – they poo-poo the, the seven, eight strings, and now the nine strings saying, oh, well, you know, that's only good for chugging. You really, you know, there really isn't anyone out there that's doing anything with with those amount of strings. And it, it always becomes ridiculous to read because it seems more that they're ignorant to the fact that there are great players out there that are able to use all the strings as opposed to just... Right, you know, doing one thing that those people listen to and automatically tune out and turn off. Right. Yeah, I think it's you know I'm not really sure. It's like my thing is, you know, with the whole internet thing, it's like if I'm going to get online and go look at some stuff, listen to musicians or whatever, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and listen to stuff that I dig. And if I turn on something and I don't like it, well, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life on that page talking about how bad it sucks or how bad I don't like it and why it's not any good, you know? Go where you want to be. Right. That's my message, you know? But, you know, the first eight-string guitar that I had made wasn't for chugging. It was a high A string. It was high A to low B. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that 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 would if you know just go to show that they weren't listening if there was remarks about my playing. But, you know, so it was a higher string, not a lower. So... It wasn't for chugging, man. It was for shredding. And the reason I got the the A string with the high A string was because of you know my love for classical violin piano music. You know to be able to get up in there and get some of the range of a violinist, you had to have the high A string. Um, it wasn't it wasn't until you know and I started playing that A string in like 2001 is when I had the first one made. So it was way before you know anybody else was really thinking about it except for Meshuga. They came they started playing eights around the same time or after I was, but they were, they went the opposite way with the low F sharp. Right. Um, and then that's when I got the idea. Cause I had a, I had a nine string guitar built in probably 2003 or four. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, I ended up not the technology and everything wasn't really there for it. So I didn't really pursue it. Um, after I had it built and ended up selling it, but you know, so, you know, I've done uh, that and, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, find something better to do with your time. You know, you know, I just, I just don't get that whole thing, man. 
Yeah, I, and, and, I get similar questions where people will say, well, what's the worst album you've heard this year? And it's usually all... I, I don't remember it because there are so many things I do like right. that I prefer to focus on that than not what I didn't like. Right, exactly. Go, Stay positive. Go go where you want to be. Listen to the things you want to listen to. I mean, you're not going to see me hanging out on Justin Bieber's Facebook page <laughs> or wherever, you know, just, you know, not that I don't, I don't have anything against Justin Bieber. I just threw that out there. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not going to go. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I got things to do, you know, <laughs> to sit around and. And hey, you know, I need, and that's, that's what half of these people need to do is instead of sitting online and behind their computer and talking about what they don't like, uh, they need to get off the computer and pick up their instrument and practice and become the guitar player that they want to be instead of talking about the guitar players that they don't want to be like. And if they know what's so good, why don't they tell us what to do to change to make ourselves better? Let me hear what you're doing. You know, if, if I suck so bad, well, let me, what can you teach me? You know, <laughs> show me how to do it, you know. So right. that usually shuts them up pretty quick. Well, let me hear your album. Well, how many albums have you been on? What are you, what are you doing? Oh, that's, oh, you still live at home with your mom and dad. Oh, uh, Burger King, right? That's your job. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, people are quick at cutting you down, man. Absolutely, nothing like the good old keyboard warriors. So. Yep, yep, and those are the same guys that when they actually see you, they're they're like all complimentary. Yeah, dude, I love it, man. I've always been, I've been a fan for years, and blah blah blah. It's like, oh, it's like there's some people like that that I went to high school with that crawl out of the woodwork and like, oh man, what are you doing? I'm gonna come to your show. I was like, dude, we weren't friends in high school. I barely even knew who you were. <laughs> right. Um, so. It's, uh, I was uh, I was just looking at some uh, Paganini quote earlier, and it said uh, something like to the effect of, uh, you know, I used to be drudge, but now I'm genius, or something like that. You know, that's kind of how it was, you know, or, or how it kind of is. And, you know, people want to hate no matter what, and then all of a sudden they want to be your best friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I see that all the time w with people. Like yeah. You're saying hating online, and then it's the first person in line. Hey, man, can I have a pick? I really yeah. love. I really love what you're doing. Yeah, really? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I usually, you know, I remember, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't sit and get into it. I, I very every now and then I will say something, but it's very rare, and it's just if it catches me at the right time. But I don't ever get get on and, and post in a mean or negative or hateful way. I just try to enlighten them uh, in a way if i can um to try to get through to them what why it is what they're saying is wrong or you know whatever you can't judge a guitar player by one lick that they're teaching uh there's a sample lesson or something like that you know i've had people base my entire career off oh that, that's that chops from hell guy that did that one lick you can't bend a vibrato well it was a picking example you know whatever you know <laughs> right can't write songs you just play fast Guitar licks, whatever. You can really tell when somebody knows what they're talking about by their comment, you know. Or and especially if they, if the, by their comment, you can tell if they've even listened to your music. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like dude, you haven't even heard a note I've played. But anyhow, haters gonna hate. I guess you know, if it, you know, got to give them something to do. There'll always be somebody that no matter. No matter what it is you do, they're they're still gonna sit there and cross, you know, dissect the stuff and mm -hmm. hate it regardless. So, yeah. uh, again, until they meet you and and all of a sudden they're your biggest fan. 
yeah. Very true, man. Very true. You've played on a bunch of different albums over the years. Uh, you've guessed it on them is what I mm-hmm. am actually getting at. Um, is there one guest spot that you partook in that you were surprised that the artist asked you to get involved? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I've always been, you know, I've done guest work based on a couple of things. Um, I've, I've done guest work on friends of mine's records because they're friends and, and I generally um, dig what they're doing. And then there's been stuff, some stuff that I've guested on where uh, it, it might not have necessarily been something that I'd listen to every day, but I listened to it because it was going to expose me to new fans and people that might not have ever heard of me before. So I do it for a couple of reasons, you know what I mean? You know, for more exposure or for just doing something for a friend that's because it's just, to, you know, being friends and, you know, he'd do it for me or vice versa. But um, I don't think there's anything that ever really threw me. Oh, wow. I can't believe I got that. Um, but I tell you what, now, now that I think about it, there was something that was uh, was really cool and, and, and made me really want to step up to my A game was uh, I recently, or not recently, but it's been about a year or so, I did a guest band called Ghost Ship Octavia. Um, oh, God, I feel like an idiot now. Scar Symmetry. Um, had Matthias Eklund, I think that's how you say it. And uh, you know who I'm talking about? Swedish yeah, band. that's the band that um, Matt Wicklund put together? Yes. Yes, with the ex-drummer Van Williams from Nevermore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, so it had Loomis and, and Pierre Nilsson and Matthias Eklund. And, um, and, of course, Matt was on it. You know, it's his band. And it's like, wow, the, I'm on this record with all these amazing freaking guitar players. I've really got to, you know, make sure I step up my A game. It's kind of like I'm doing that John Petrucci Guitar Universe this summer. And the teachers are going to be me and Petrucci and Tony McAlpine and Andy McKee and uh, Andy James and Tosin Abasi. It's like, man, I'm you know, you can't go into those things, you know, without being on your A game, you know, right. so it's, it's a little intimidating, but at the same time, it's very motivating and very inspiring because I'm going to get to teach with Tony McAlpine, dude. I mean, me and Patricia have been friends for years and, and hang out whenever we get a chance to. So, you know, but McAlpine, I, I just recently met him. It was right before he got sick. Um, and, you know, you know, it was, it was it was awesome to get to meet him and see him play. You know, I've been a fan of his since Edge of Insanity, and and that was really the first time I got to see him play about a year and a half or so ago. You know, maybe it's been longer. It's time just keeps on slipping, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It hasn't been too long. But so I'm stoked about that. It's the same kind of thing. So I'm going to be up there, and Tony McAlpine's going to be on stage teaching. You know, and then I got to go up there for whatever, do something. You know, you know that's you know it's a little intimidating. I think it's not often I feel like that, but you know, some of these dudes are legends, you know, and McAlpine's just a genius anyway. I mean, guy's a classical pianist and uh, a brilliant guitar player can play pretty much any style and, you know, whether he's playing with Planet X or doing his solo stuff or, or playing with, with Cab or, or, or any of the many things he's done, you know, just, he's great. So I'm stoked about that. 
has there ever been a a point in time where a guitarist like that has come up to you and, and recognized your work and sort of caught you off guard where you didn't expect yes. a Petrucci or a McAlpine or someone of that stature to uh, acknowledge yeah. you? Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I did. I used to do this, uh, I used to host this TV show called, uh, it was Rusty Cooley's Guitar Sound on TV. And um, it was, uh, I was I was interviewing for the show all in one day, um, Eric Johnson, Peppino D'Agostino, and, and Andy McKee. And uh, Eric recognized me and, and, and was like, hey, dude, what's up? You know, I've seen you in the guitar magazines, and he gave me his address and wanted me to send him some stuff. And then, um, you know, I ended up not ever sending it to him because I figured he wouldn't like it. So, <laughs> um and then Andy, you know, Andy McKee, he knew who I was. And, you know, likewise, I've seen Andy play before, so that was pretty cool. But, you know, him being an acoustic guitar player, uh, that genre that he does, I didn't expect him, you know, it was caught me a little off guard. Um, and I think I ran into uh, Willie Adler at NAM one time. It was at one of the after-hours parties or something like that, and kind of ran into him and was like, hey, what's up? You know, so, you know I mean, I don't really go into it into it, into it ever expecting anybody to know who I am. You know what I mean? Um, so when I run into somebody that I really don't know or have never had any contact with or whatever, it's, it's always, it's always a shocking surprise. You know, it's, it's cool. It's just like, you know, uh, there was, uh, uh, all the, there's a website called all the, um, all the shreds, all that shred or whatever. And they, he, the, the guitar, the guy from the website was interviewing Tony Naomi. And this just happened to you recently. And he asked Tony what he thought about some of the new guitar players. And, he, and Tony, and he said, well, I haven't really, um, I don't really keep up with that, but I did watch that, that lad Rusty's videos that's on your site. And it's great to see somebody carrying the torch. We really need somebody like that or something to that effect. And it was like, what Tony, Omi said, what about me? Really? Is that for real? <laughs> you know, um, that's the that's probably the most shocking one ever, you know. Um, that's that's pretty cool. The Godfather of Metal, getting some recognition from that. That's that's pretty. I was speechless, you know. I still pretty much am, kind of fumbling for words over here. So it's always nice to be recognized by your by your peers, you know. Like you're saying, uh, when you have someone of the caliber of Iomi bringing your name up, yeah. <laughs> in anything, uh, I mean, nonetheless giving you those types of accolades. Yeah. There's, there's another really cool thing that recently happened. Um, my band, Dave Reckoning got to open up for Alter Bridge in Dallas and that's uh, Mark Tremonti's band. And I've been friends with Mark for years and it's, it's somebody snapped a picture of me on stage doing soundcheck with Mark standing right at the front of the stage, watching us do soundcheck. And it's the coolest picture ever because, you know, I've been friends with Mark for so long, but I've always, it's always been me at their gig hanging out watching him play and to actually have him standing there watching me do a sound check for once, uh, was a really, really cool moment, you know? Um, so that's, that's pretty sweet when you finally get that, you know, you know, cause uh, I haven't had the, uh, the benefit of doing extensive touring and, and all that kind of stuff like most guitar players get to for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, to be able to actually, play for for your your friends um like that it's, it's really super cool yeah and, and mark seems like a guy i mean i've i've been able to interview him once who seems very appreciative of a lot of different types of 
rock, hard rock, and metal players. And mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people realize that till he started doing his solo work. Yeah. And he's really one of probably one of the most important players of the moment. So again, to have someone who not only is you know you're saying he's a fan or, or he's a friend, but he's seems like he's a fan also. And he's got that type of importance to him, and he really doesn't throw it around. So, I mean, it's, again, another great yeah. you know, sort of uh, acknowledgement of your playing. Yeah, he's Mark's, <clears throat> Mark's super cool. And, you know, if you met him on the street, you'd never know. He was a you know, world-famous rock star. He's just down-to-earth, low-key, you know, super smart guy and, and, and just driven to learn. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of guitar players that have been around – a long time um, that continue to get better. Um, and, and Mark's definitely one of them. He's always constantly getting better. And John Petrucci, John's always getting better too. A lot of guys um, just get to a certain point and for whatever reason, they just don't, they're not driven anymore. They or stop practicing and whatnot. And, you know, and then they just continue to put out that same record for the next or last 20 years, I should say, you know, a lot of my guitar heroes that were, big influences on me when I was a kid. I can't listen to really anymore because they, they just aren't doing anything new. You know, it's a shame. So I've learned just as much what to do as what not to do from my guitar heroes, you know? And, uh, that's why I want to, you know, I'll, for me, I'll always be a student of the instrument. It would take many lifetimes to master it. And, you know, I've got to keep growing and doing new things and not be, uh, not closed minded to anything or any possibility or, whatnot you know it's the way to keep fresh and you mentioned day of reckoning a moment ago mm-hmm. um what do you have going on with the band at the moment do you have any plans to do anything uh as far as touring or recording um, anything else yeah absolutely man right now we're uh in the process of getting uh into the fire part two out i'm going to be tracking guitars for that next weekend i mean we would have technically that cd the part two could have already been out but when we got our new drummer this new guy's so amazing jared um we had him go in the studio while he was here um because he, he's actually we recruited him all the way from bangalore india um so he was over a few times to do some gigs with us and he's going to be coming back in january for good um uh, but we had him redo all the drums on part two so i have to go in and retract my rhythm guitars and we already had the bass retract and and whatnot so that'll be coming up pretty soon um no definitive date because you know like everything that happens in the music industry it never happens on time or when you want it to um so it it should be it should be around pretty soon (laughs) i'll leave it at that but yeah so we're doing that and then um uh, i think we're gonna be doing a few more shows with alter bridge coming up and uh, i'm really good friends with the guys in nile me and Carl go way back, and um, probably we might be doing some touring with Nile and uh, and some other things. We toured earlier this year with Darkest Hour and did some shows, and you know, basically we're going to get on whatever makes sense, you know, for us. You know, we definitely want to get out there and tour, but we're we're not twenty year olds anymore, and we can't just go out and go on the road and come back home broke and plop down on my man's couch. Um, you know, so we have to do things that make sense. Playing big festivals would be great. Um, you know, getting out on the road, do a couple weeks, you know, at a time or something like that, you know, as long as it's, you know, I don't mind going out and breaking even, you know, but I can't come home in the hole and expect to live, you know, I don't want to go out in a van and a trailer to play to 10, 15 kids a night, 
you know, it's got to be smart. You know, we have to plan these things out right and make sure they're going to be uh, in the best interest of everybody. You know, so got to keep everybody happy and do, do the right moves. It'd be nice to pick up a record label that could give us some tour support. It'd be cool for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, um, a almost an illusion that people are still hung up on the old, you know, album tour type cycle deal where economically it just doesn't make sense for, for a lot of people. And as you're saying, more and more, thanks to the Internet, you read how bands come back and, and are lucky to break even yeah. <laughs> as opposed to, you know, coming back and being a few thousand dollars in the hole. Yeah, and that's, you know... There's been a lot of positives and a lot of negatives from the internet. And one of the negatives is the fact that today's generation of kids don't know that you buy music. Right. You know, and then if anybody in a band says anything about illegal downloads, then we're being jerks because we must all be millionaires. You know, it's for reasons like that that guys are starving out there, you know. Put out your record and it's been leaked six months before it comes out, you know. You know, that's, you know, you can't make a living off that, you know, when everybody's just downloading it for free. Sure. You know, I mean, you can, you know, it's like my instructional stuff, man. You can type that in, shred guitar manifesto in, and about five pages comes up where you can find it for free. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it makes it really tough when everybody's giving your shit away. Something's got to change. I hope something changes. I don't know what it's going to take to change it. I think they need to bring vinyl back, and you can't download vinyl. Well, it, it is the most um, uh, uptick in sales of these last few years. Vinyl is the format that supposedly is uh, uh, so, sort of sold, I guess, in a greater percentage than any other. Yeah, but there's still but, record stores, man. That takes the fun out of it. I want to go look at records and look in record bands, man. You know, <laughs> like I used to. Right. You know, there's nothing more gratifying and cool than just getting in your car and driving to the store and going and picking up the latest whatever. You know, I was looking forward to that. You know, um, you know, it was part of the fun. There's there's nothing like that in the Houston area. Um, there's a couple record stores. The only one closest to, to me just closed. Um, but there's uh, there's one in downtown Houston called the Vinyl Edge that's been around since I was in high school. That's where I got like bad said soup and all that stuff. But um, I don't have, you know, well, I shouldn't say I don't have a turntable. I recently got one, but uh, I haven't really been out to buy any vinyl. I've saved all my favorite vinyl records. Uh, so I've probably got about maybe 25, 30 records left from my collection. And I mainly saved all my Guitar Hero stuff, my Shrapnel stuff, and Racer X and Paul Gilbert and Benny Moore and McAlpine and Mama Malmsteen stuff and Demiola and Holdsworth. I get road games on vinyl by Alan Holdsworth. It's awesome. You can't get that nowhere, man. <laughs> right. You know? So, um, I've got some Zappa stuff. It's cool. But, uh, yeah, there's not, there's not an overabundance of that stuff. I live, uh, I'm, I'm in Houston, but I live in the suburbs on the north side. So to actually drive into Houston to go to a place like that, you know, it's a little bit of a hike, but, you know, um, probably go down and check it out. It's been a while. Yeah, and, and if any of that stuff is re-released or, or reprinted, uh, I mean, they use the excuse of it being uh, thicker vinyl and whatnot, but they're still going to charge you through the nose for it because all the new stuff is like, at least where I am, is like 35 bucks and up. So it's, Yeah, I haven't even priced it, so I don't even know. 
Is that what yeah. albums are going for now? A, a lot of the new newly released vinyl is is in that neighborhood. Yeah, if not if not a lot more because I know you get into, um, like the the last Maiden that came out. It came out I think it was on like four or five different vinyls, so it was like sixty bucks. I mean, so it's something that is as much as. I mean, I'd love to go out and buy everything new on vinyl. Mm, right. It's, um, it's, it's difficult. It's yeah. difficult because for economic reasons, it just isn't It isn't possible. I mean, um, I, I think the collectionist is still going to go out and, and buy this stuff. But, I mean, I don't think that absolutely everyone can go out again and, and spend that on, on an album. And that, again, beyond the, the collection factor – if people can't sell CDs that are ten to fifteen bucks, I mean, selling hmm. a bunch of right. vinyls for for fifty to sixty is, is even a harder sale. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's what I, I like. You know, I like buying the CD or or the cassette or the album or whatever because I like looking at the liner notes and and all that stuff. You know, you don't get that with the digital download, and digital does downloads don't sound worth a crap compared to vinyl or even you know. Even a CD, really. Mm-hmm. You know, which CD's compressed to begin with. CD's not going to sound half as good as a vinyl record. Right. I think people should go back to recording uh, the real way, where you actually have to play all your parts through the whole song and not go, okay, well, here, I did one good pass of it. Now copy and paste it over, you know. Yeah, I think you can definitely notice that yeah. on a lot of the newer albums. People that do that... Um, that use the old methodology to record as opposed to, you know, the, the cutting and pasting and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, sort, sort of just putting everything together piecemeal yeah. um, in, in the studio. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of people over the last few years saying, well, you know, we, we did record it digitally, but we all did it live in the room or we did it, you know, mm-hmm. we, we did it all together. And there's definitely a, a big difference in the way that those albums sound as opposed yep. to how, you know, the, the, the stuff is just pieced together by, by a producer. Yep. Absolutely, man. I mean, I can you know, you know, kids today, the way things are done would crap their pants. If they had to do it like bands from the sixties and seventies, you know, right. and even eighties really, you know, cause it wasn't, you know, it was later than that when all the pro tool stuff and digital stuff came around and then, where technology has gotten so cheap that you, you know, every kid on the blocks is running a Pro Tools rig. You know. Yeah, I've I've even gotten to see, unfortunately, bands at at big festivals and well-known bands where either the the, the drummer isn't playing the entire kit in the sense that the 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 his double bass is actually coming through a, a computer as opposed to him playing. Or, oh man, that's awful. Uh, or a band that's known for 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 their shredding and you see them live and and you're front row and you're seeing what they're playing and you're realizing that isn't what's coming out of the speaker and you realize that <laughs> they're just like miming everything that they're playing and oh, it's that's like, awful man your whole that's thing so is just... that you guys are shredders and and you can't play right. off live <laughs> yeah i want to see all these bands that play with their laptops uh playing without their laptops, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. they, you know, I don't even want to get into it, but 
<laughs> that's that's you know now I feel like the guy talking about you know just seven string and eight strings just for chugging but you know there's something to be said for playing your instrument and being in a real band sure. and you, that you don't have to rely on any kind of additional tracks you know if you can't play it you know then then don't record it right yeah. that's the way I feel about it you know, I, I mean, you know, I was a big stickler for that. Like when I did my instrumental record, I purposely didn't do a lot of guitar harmonies and, and layers and stuff like that because I wasn't going to be able to do it live. So why am I going to put it on the record? Mm-hmm. You know, right. so you know, if you can't can't do it, don't do it. Is there anything else that you're currently working on that you'd like uh, the listeners uh, to be in the know of? I'm just getting ready to do this. The second, uh, you know, Into the Fire Part Two for Dave Reckoning. Um, Going to be out at the NAM show here in a couple of weeks in Anaheim, um, and you know, just getting Dave Reckoning ready to get out and do some gigging. And I've got tons of new music. It's just waiting to be gotten to. Um, uh, I'm probably going to start. You know, I, I hesitantly say maybe start to work on another solo record or something. But I'm set up here to uh, in my apartment to do some recording and stuff like that and I just need to kind of dive into it but uh, you know that's that's kind of it at the moment you know um, just okay. focusing all my efforts on day of reckoning um, just continuing to practice and teach and um, get ready to get out and gig man I want to get in front of people play okay, okay. and as far as people keeping up with you online where should they go to Get all the latest news about what you have going on. Well, the, probably the best place is, is my Facebook page, but you can, uh, you know, the easiest place to go is to go to rustycooley.com, and from there you can, it'll direct you to Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and all the, the normal stuff. Um, you know, so hit that first and, and follow the links. Or just, you know, because I have a couple of different Facebook pages, there's, and so it's easier to just go to my website and, and click from there, but... Um, yeah, rustycooley.com. Hit that first and you'll find all, all the links to go to the rest of the places. Hey, this is Rusty Cooley and you're listening to Mars Attacks. So crank it up and rip the knob off.
you go, a little guitars and laser beams from Day of Reckoning. I want to thank Rusty Cooley for coming on and also Dave Reffitt for setting things up and also Brad Lambert or Brad Lambert. I don't know if uh, maybe he's French Canadian and the T is silent there. But I uh, want to thank the three of them for making that happen. It was a lot of fun uh, talking to Rusty, and I think you guys will enjoy his comments for Dream Theater's Images and Words. So there you go. In any event, thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, remember to support the bands that you love. Uh, go to the Amazon links in the show notes and pick up Day of Reckoning or any of the Rusty Cooley products that you find there and help support not only Rusty, but help support us as well. In any event, we're going to leave you with a little bit of, uh, well, I should say, we'll leave you with a sample of the track The Storm by Day of Reckoning. And we'll see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. See you. Okay.
Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.